0: I'd like to welcome Bill Kesting to our podcast today. Uh, Bill has a huge amount of experience across the uh, consumer driven healthcare sector and industry, as well as that CPG sector. He spent his time working for Novartis Consumer Health, working all the way through district sales manager to the director of business development to the director of strategy and business development. He then moved and became the head of new business for North America for Nestle Nutrition, the Gerber Channel. He then moved into the Nestle Health Science Vice President of National Account Sales, where I first met him about eight years ago. Uh, He was then head of market access and then finally became the program management officer for Nestle Health Science. He is now the president of BK Programs. Bill, it's awesome to have you, man. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here listen, you clearly had senior executive roles. How'd you make it within the consumer-driven healthcare industry?
1: Yeah, you know, when I think about that question, I I actually go all the way back to when I first started in sales with, then it was called Sandoz Nutrition before we became Novartis. And I was so impressed at the national sales meeting to be part of what everyone kept saying was this world-class organization. And it it made a a real impression on me. and, And I sort of took a mindset. That said, in, in everything I do, I'd ask myself the question, how, what does world class look like? How would, how would the best in the world do what I'm doing right now and sort of bring that to the table in, in terms of my work ethic and how I approach the work and sort of the homework I put into becoming a better salesman? And um, I think that recipe for success stuck with me throughout the career. And whether or not I achieved it all the time, I'll leave others to decide, but it certainly was the attitude I brought. That's a
0: great mindset. I assume, as the father to Alicia and Michael, you try to drive that home to them as well. How's it going?
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> thankfully, you know, as as you know, I've I've recently retired from corporate life, and I I credit Michael and Alicia with allowing me to do that. They're they're both uh, in their uh, mid to late twenties and very successful and. Uh, out of the house and on their own. Michael got married uh, in September, and Alicia's doing quite well in finance. So, thank you for asking. But yeah, they 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 t- took it to heart, and I think uh, they take that same sort of uh, effort to their work as well.
0: That's great, man. Clearly, world world class dad for you. <laughs> uh,
1: thank so you. So,
0: how uh, how important was it to be client centric in your previous roles?
1: You know, in every role, whether I was working in business development internally or or customer facing in sales, uh, being customer client centric is, is critical. Right. The real trick is deciding who your customer is, because that can be a confusing question depending on the industry, especially if you take into mind uh, our industry, which worked largely through distribution. Um, Was the distributor your customer? Was the end user your customer? Was the patient who was using the products, the end user, in this case, a hospital was providing to them? Are they the customer? So you had to ask yourself that question several times and hone in on how you were going to spend your time and effort. But to answer your question, uh, we always used to say the customer was at the center of everything we did then the debates would ensue about who our customer was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I think that's really critical. You you talked about the real trick is deciding who is the customer.
1: Right. Uh,
0: within negotiation for you was, was it the distributor? Was it the hospital? Was it the end user? As you were figuring that out, how important was
1: negotiation? Absolutely critical. Um, I can't think of any position I was ever in, whether certainly in sales, but even as a general manager uh, in my market access role and, and and as program management which dealt with our uh, acquisitions and divestments um, negotiation played an important role both internally and externally at every level and you know the 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 principles I'll, I'll, a little commercial now the principles we learned when we started working together eight years ago were uh, key to to not only my own but my entire team skills and getting better at it so yeah critical
0: well, that's great to hear i'm glad i'm glad we left you with some insight and some thought process hopefully Absolutely. you're still using it even in your new role without a doubt <laughs> if you go back to your work life do you remember any real solid success stories or any disasters you'd be willing to share
1: yeah and, and and i i remember it both with joy and and sorrow because my biggest success was also the biggest disaster uh i ever had to work on and uh um we we were bidding on the largest piece of business we had ever uh won at that time and we did win by the way and and it was uh uh we used a lot of the principles we learned uh with gap but Um, You know, deep analysis, hard fought battle, but we won a huge chunk of business that was meaningful uh, to to our business for the next three or four years. Well, it wasn't a a week after we won. We got a call saying there was uh, a an accident at our production plant. And I won't go into any great detail, but the long and the short of it was. Three months from then, we were going to be running out of stock on virtually all of our key products. So, and, and that that coincided with the timing of the implementation of the new business that we had just won. So I would say I had the experience of going from the vice president of sales to the vice president of Apology and had to go from setting from, from the biggest win we ever had to navigating through the biggest supply challenge we ever had. And when I say I, I meant we, I mean, you talk about an all hands on deck effort, but um, a great, a difficult experience. I grew more through that, that period than many others in my career, I think.
0: Wow, that's a crazy story. I mean, certainly, (laughs) certainly highs and then immediate lows and then coming back to the highs. Yeah. Um, I would assume that when you go through something like that, there's a real skill in being humble and, and owning a mistake or
1: uh, being able to apologize. Like
0: you said, chief apology
1: officer. Yeah, literally uh, on the phone and on the plane uh, the day I found out. And, and I remember, uh, you, you know, even my own team was saying, well, Bill, you don't have to travel all over the country and do this. And the people above me or our CEO saying, you know, hey, do you need us to come and be with you? And I was like, you know. No, I'll, I'll go ahead and, 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 and go with my team, of course, but, but we're going to go out and we're on the line, so we're going we're gonna to stay on the line and we're going to tell people what's happening and keep them apprised of it. And, uh, uh, and, and I'd say the importance of, of transparency and honesty, regardless of how difficult the situation is, serves you in negotiation no matter how hard it is, right, right? There, there, there's no amount of sugar coating that was going to make it an easy situation. So you had to come with the bad news right away and naturally with a backup plan on what you were going to do to make it better. Uh, so
0: that makes sense. And I, I know you only as a stand up person who would do that, you know, and be right in the right in the battle with your troops. Yep. Can you tell me the most critical thing you've learned with respect to negotiation?
1: Yeah, I I I can and and uh, thanks for giving me the heads up that that we were going to talk about this because if if I really look back on all of it the most important thing that I learned was that it it's not advisable to trust your gut. You know, you'll you'll find a lot of people that says, "Oh, you know, I got a great gut instinct on this one." Or so and so's been in the business forever. They know the customer like the back of their hand and they'll be able to just, you know, put this plan together for us. You know, solid negotiation requires a depth of preparation that, that the, the, the more you work at it, the better you'll be, no matter what your gut says going in, right? So you look at it dispassionately, you create as many scenarios that are logical as you possibly can think of, and then all of a sudden, at the end of all that hard work is when you can let your gut play right (laughs) but until then you have to do the homework you have to build a financial model in addition to having your insights and implications set up for, for you know what's really informing that negotiation you have to make sure you got inside the head of the the people that you're negotiating with and make sure that you have the best possible feel for uh, uh, what they're bringing to the table and what they're thinking, again, not based on your gut, but based on facts and insights that, you know, you have yourself and that your people are bringing into you.
0: What advice would you give up and comers career wise who are looking to take the same possible steps that, that you did? The,
1: the, that one, what I would say to people is go ahead and take risks with your career. Um, it, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes there'll be an assignment that comes up that is either on the surface seems very risky going after a new customer segment or taking on a, a disaster of a client that's that's crashing uh, or uh, in my case, you know, the opportunities to work on uh, acquisitions came up early on and you had to do it in addition to your regular job. But, hey, it's a chance to get noticed. And and it was risky. Right. It's not comfortable. But the more you're willing to take risk, the more successful you will be. There's no reward that comes without some sort of risk. So the, the saying, and this is one I, Mike and Alicia, I tell my kids too: only risk is rewarded. No risk, no reward.
0: I like that. That's good advice, man. We're. Uh- We'll have to steal that. TGP will have to steal <laughs> it. <laughs> we'll,
1: There's no we'll stealing. Just, I, it's we'll all We'll cut free. you a check.
0: We'll cut you a check. <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, all free. <laughs> Bill, do you think uh, do you think CPG or consumer driven healthcare is recession proof?
1: You know, nothing is recession proof, right? the The, the way to, to look at that question is to ask yourself, Can I be successful during a recession? And the answer is always yes. So I don't think about terms, uh, uh, in terms of recession. Actually, there's another saying that Mike and Alicia, if, if one, one day we'll get you out uh, with the kids and, and you'll ask them, uh, but I'd say there's no good news, there's no bad news, there's only data, right? So the question is, what is the data in front of you? How does it apply to your strategy? And how do you succeed? Develop your plan and get after it right so i i don't I never really thought about recession, good times, bad times. It's all data and and if you do that, it also especially in sales, it helps you keep a level head. You don't ride the highs too high, you don't ride the lows too low. just what's the data
0: That's really informative no good news, no bad news, only data. I like it, and i especially like to take risks with your career. there's no reward without risk. Can you uh, in the last couple minutes that we have, and I appreciate you being so insightful, but in the last couple minutes, can you bring to life um, BK programs? So, what is it that you guys are are driving, and how does that consulting provide guidance and insight to your clients?
1: Well, well, first of all, I would say I'm I'm I'm, I'm happily and recently, you know, retired from corporate life, and now uh, uh, do work uh, have BK programs set up. As uh, and what we try to do is, is help uh, our customers with strategic questions that they have. Generally, it's, it's applicable to merger and acquisition strategy. And more importantly, to narrow it down a little bit, is how do we take this business we're looking at buying and how do we uh, bring it into our operation? What's the best way to do that to protect the asset that we're acquiring? um that may involve helping them with negotiations it may involve helping them with just with the strategic thinking of how they're going to set up the program um and like i said as as now you know not as much in the corporate uh realm i i do focus on helping people that i like and respect and work on projects that i think are very interesting so uh i get to have that criteria now which is kind of nice
0: That's very cool. You certainly earned it. Uh, Just to recap, and again, I appreciate the time that you've spent with us. We started by talking about what does world class look like, which clearly you've held yourself to that in every role. That you've had inclusive of the one as dad um, you talked about the real trick is deciding who is the customer so in your previous world it was the distributor the hospital the end user but along those things you also talked about the ability to have transparency and honesty which i think go a long way in commercial business uh no good news no bad news only data which is uh, a way to level set as you explained it not get so emotive not allow it to be so emotional and there is no reward without risk. But make sure that you have that depth of preparation, you think about those logical scenarios, you do your homework, and it's not always advisable to trust your gut. Do the front end preparation, then come around to that gut feel. Uh, Bill, man, in such a short time, this has been hugely helpful. Thanks for joining us. I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving and holiday season. You too, Mike. Best to your family, it's great to be with you. Thanks, man.